amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome back, weirdos. We are happy to be here for another episode of History for Weirdos. What's going on, weirdos? I hope you guys had a great week. I had a great week. Yeah. (laughs) We are actually in Hawaii when you're listening to this. Yes, true story. We're not in Hawaii right now, but we will be. Yeah, by the time you're listening to this. (laughs) Or if you're listening to this like in the far future, we're back from Hawaii. We're not in Hawaii. Yeah, that's true. It depends (laughs) on when you're listening to this. Very good point. But we're really excited because it's both like my first time going to Hawaii, period. And then for you, it's your first time on Oahu, right? Yeah, first time mm-hmm. on Oahu and my first time in Hawaii in almost 15 years. Yeah. So very excited to go back. We're excited to see the beautiful beaches and culture, learn some of the history while we're there, of course. And eat poke. And eat so much poke. Absolutely. And before Andrew jumps into the amazing episode I know he has planned for us, we have two things to say. First, happy Black History Month. Yes. Such a big, important deal to acknowledge this history that is so often overlooked and intentionally erased. So happy Black History Month. Definitely listen to some Black History podcasters. Um, And then our second big announcement is... Drum roll, please. Drum roll. We are launching. Sorry, you guys couldn't see, but he pointed at me. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And that actually leads to what the announcement is. We are launching a Patreon. It will be coming to you very soon, and you will have access to exclusive content there that you can't find anywhere else, including our full-length video episodes, where you can see amazing things like Andrew pointing at me, Or the amazing weird faces that we make while listening to each other's stories. Which happens all the time. Which happens all the time. Um, There's going to be a lot of really cool content coming out on our Patreon. We will be announcing more, obviously, as it gets closer. But keep an eye out because it will officially launch on a very special day, February 19th, which is also Andrew's birthday. Awesome. President's Day. Also President's Day. I know. It's so amazing. I have that day off from work. Oh, yeah. I have my birthday day from like Like you didn't have to ask for it. It's just a day off. It didn't happen on the weekend and it's just the day off, which is, I love it because every once in a while my my birthday is President's Day. I think it's the universe trying to tell me something. Yeah. That I should never be president of the United States. Agreed. Because you'll never have a day off again. Yeah. So that's, (laughs) and also that sounds like way too much work. 
Oh, it sounds like the worst job ever. I'm not going to lie. I'm listening to the biography of, or a biography of Alexander the Great, because Mm -hmm. of course, why not, right? Of course. It just seems like a lot. Like, I mean, I get it. He's running an empire. It's just a lot of work. Running an empire, it's not a chill vibe. Not a chill vibe. I think it's a very intense vibe. You know, I'd (laughs) say that is a fair statement. And if this is your first time listening to us, we're being silly. We're normally not this dumb. Normally. 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 But occasionally we are. I'm yeah. not going to lie. So with all of those lovely announcements, Andrew, tell us what weird history story are you going to be sharing with us this week? Well, let me just preface it by saying this. When you think of spies, you probably don't think of the American Civil War. No, absolutely not what I right. think of. I mean, most likely you're probably thinking of the Cold War, right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what came to mind. Like yeah. Russian spies, U.S. spies in the Soviet Union, things like that. Yes, yeah, so almost coats. Like, kind of like a romantic view of it in a really weird, twisted sense, I feel like. Yes. Really cool, like 80s, 90s makeup. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the trench coat, that's what comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, really like... Kind of like crazy nightclubs playing like Depeche Mode. Ooh, yes. That's pretty cool. But anyways, okay. If you're American, you also might think of the Revolutionary War, especially mm-hmm. if you've seen the TV show Turn. Which is an incredible TV show. I'm sure we've mentioned it before. Yeah, we binged an entire season in a day, which that's you, impressive. You didn't have to tell them that. Yeah, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> anyways, but there was a spy in particular during the American Civil War uh, that led to an incredible, albeit brief life um and he was instrumental in helping secure union victory oh wow yeah yeah i definitely wouldn't have thought of a spy from this era he's been described as part james bond part malcolm x by some contemporaries today holy smokes yeah he's a very intriguing character and it's really interesting you you mentioned erasure of history yeah because that is what happened to his story really yes like he should be way more well known but he isn't. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I'm really looking forward to hearing this. This is the, the the life of a spy, orator, abolitionist, politician, Abraham Galloway. Nope, not ringing a bell. Yeah, I didn't know this guy until I researched him. Abraham Galloway. Abraham Galloway. Okay, let's learn about Abraham. So he was born on February eighth, eighteen thirty seven to an enslaved woman named Hester Hankins in Smithville, North Carolina, present-day Southport. Wow, it's almost his birthday, too. Yeah, almost his birthday. We're 11 days apart. Wow. Very cool. Let's go. (laughs) Interestingly, though, his father was a white man, a Mm. ship pilot by the name of John Wesley Galloway, where he gets his surname. Okay. So, although he was mixed, he was still born into slavery because of his mother's status as a slave herself. Yes. That, that was always how it worked, no matter who what your your father was, essentially. And it was quite often enslaved women that were getting pregnant by white men. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 100% correct. So get this. The woman who owned Hankins mm-hmm. was the widow of a Methodist minister. Oh, my God. That's so disgusting. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, what a hypocrite. Yeah. What a hypocrite. Ew, you are a, a Methodist, like enough. You're so involved in the religion that you married a minister and you own people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you even believe anything that comes out of your mouth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, anyways, 
we don't know a lot about his early life, which is an unfortunate common theme mm-hmm. um, at this time in particular. And I've, I've noticed across all of History for Weirdos subjects. That is a theme that we have, not knowing a lot about their early life. Yeah, because they're mm-hmm. either like obscure or it's just like in the ancient past or something along those lines. Yes. <laughs> so we do know that at around the age of 10 or so, he started to apprentice as a brick mason. And after he gained the status of a master brick mason, mm-hmm. he and his enslaver, the son of the widow, moved to Wilmington, North Carolina. Okay. And we covered the 1898 Wilmington Massacre all the way back in episode 58, if you're interested in listening to that, by the way. Yeah, that's a great episode. That one was one of the hardest episodes I ever had to do. I think I did that for Black History Month last year. It might be, yeah. It was really, really good, though. I recommend it. Yeah. But back to our story. Galloway was, quote-unquote, allowed to work as a brick mason in Wilmington with a catch that he had to pay his master $15 a month. What? Yeah. So he had to pay his master to work. Oh my God. Yeah. Most, I didn't even think that, like I know how backwards and inhumane this system was, of course. Um, Not taught enough in school when we're in formal education, but things that we've learned as adults. But I never heard of an enslaved person having to pay to do the work. Yeah. That's the most backwards thing I've ever heard. Yeah. That's, that was the first thing I thought. I was like, wow, that's so stupid. And then it was like $15 a month. Like, man, talk about inflation, right? Yeah, that's true. That would be like, okay, here. But not back then. $15 back then was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, it, it gets really bad because that he couldn't even afford that. Like he couldn't afford to, you know. So he was getting live. in debt. Exactly. While he to was working. Work. In debt to work while being enslaved, having no rights, having your freedom oppressed. That's that's an accurate description, yes. Okay. Yeah, interesting. Right. Interesting start. Interesting. <laughs> well, unsurprisingly, in eighteen fifty or yeah, eighteen fifty seven, Galloway had enough at this point. He was an audacious twenty year old. Um, and he decided to escape, right? And head towards freedom as mm-hmm. he should, uh, because this was he at least in his mind right at the time was terrible, and which is objectively true. Yeah, I, I there's no point in not trying. I think, if, particularly as a young person, when you have your whole life ahead of you, and you're like, "This is it. This is what I'm doomed to." I could definitely see the urge to try to flee. Right. It's really interesting too, because I I just realized this in when he does this when he's 20 years old Mm -hmm. and i'm it's funny enough i'm reading the the biography of alexander the great right and that's when his father died and he assumes the kingship at the age of 20. wow so it's really weird parallels right there and they die around the same age oh that's interesting really weird anyways uh i mean completely different people different eras different circumstances and i will say when you're 20 that's a very interesting time to you know, find freedom or come into power because you are an adult, uh, definitely physically an adult, but your brain is still developing. It's not going to be done cooking until 25. Isn't that wild? Yeah. So your personality's not done. Your impulse control sucks. Very interesting. <laughs> yes. Very true. Very true. Um, so 1857, Galloway, he concocts a plan to leave, right? Mm-hmm. To escape with a, for- a fellow slave by the name of Richard Eden. Mm. 
he doesn't really enter the story again, but I just thought it was an interesting, like he had a buddy yeah. to help him escape. Mm-hmm. So a very sympathetic ship captain allowed the two to stow away in his ship mm. that was headed towards Philadelphia. Oh, good. So they stowed near some turpentine barrels, which is oil derived from pine. Oh. Yeah, just in case. I didn't know what that was. I'd yeah. heard turpentine before millions of times, but I didn't know that's, it was just pine tar, basically. Me neither. Yeah. So the two, or the two soon-to-be former slaves were very lucky because turpentine at this time was typically burned on ships because it would release this pungent odor mm-hmm. that would like basically flush out any stowaways, including you know runaway slaves. Oh. And they didn't do it this time. Um, wow. Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. They just got lucky. They got very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, that Yeah, fortune was on their side that night. And they made it to Philadelphia, but there were bounty hunters on their trail. Mm-hmm. Um, so Abraham made it all the way up to Canada West, what is now known as Ontario. Mm. Shout out to our Canadian weirdos. Yes, which I know there are quite a few of you. Mm-hmm. So, and it's here that we would start working with, or we, he would start <laughs> working with the abolitionist movement. Yeah, guys, I was there too. I mean, I would, but at the, you know. You would be dead. I'd be dead. Yeah. I wouldn't be alive. It's a little before your time. So just slightly, we, <laughs> I'm inserting myself in there. All of us, you know. I was there in spirit. <laughs> so... He quickly, Abraham, quickly becomes the leader in this movement due to his incredible oratory skill, mm. which I love. Yes. Like, he definitely sounded like he was one of those just old school orators that w- had a natural gift. Mm-hmm. It is such a powerful gift to have that we don't value as much today, I think. No, We're, we being don't. Being really good at moving a group of people through your speech is incredible. It is. I couldn't agree more. So... Galloway would even actually make a very brief trip to Haiti in 1860 with the intention of recruiting men to invade the American South, you know, kind of like a John Brown movement. Mm. However, it was not successful. Uh, He would return to the U.S. actually at the onset of the Civil War in April of 1861. That is a, a really amazing point, though, because that shows that at such a young age, he wasn't satisfied with just getting his freedom. He wanted justice for everybody. That's a very salient point, and we actually cover that later on. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. Very good. Spoilers. <laughs> so immediately he began serving in the Union Army as a spy for Major General Benjamin Butler, as he was already well known amongst Union leaders for his abolitionist work. Oh wow. So he had a reputation as a cunning, determined abolitionist. And uh, again, like he was very well known with like all of the leaders in the union and will that culminates actually to a point later mm. on. Um, but because of his just deep anonymity towards slavery, yeah. uh, the union leadership also was very keen on having him be a spy, like in the South because oh. he knows he like, he's, I mean, here is this incredible guy. He has the gift of the gab. He can kind of like rouse sentiment. Yeah. And he's a mover and shaker. So he's very, very valuable. How scary to have to go back though. Yes. 
I mean, your life is 100% on the line. There's no guaranteed that you will come back. Oh, 100%. He knew the risks. Oh. I mean, it's incredibly risky. Yeah. And also, like, what do you think would happen to a a black spy mm. for the Union in Confederate territory? Yeah. It's just not going to be good. Yeah, absolutely. So he was sent or he was tasked with reconnoitering Confederate positions and gathering detailed information about the geography of North Carolina, specifically info regarding like possible marine landing sites uh-huh. and just a, basically like all along the coast. Mm-hmm. And with like North Carolina specifically, mm-hmm. um, there's a, you, I mean, people who are from North Carolina could probably tell that there's a lot of like kind of random inlets. There's like yeah. sounds. There's a lot of stuff. It looks like a, their coast looks like puzzle pieces. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like yeah. puzzle pieces scattered about. There's mm-hmm. like islands, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's a very complicated coastline. And so he would go about uh essentially gathering all this information by asking local sailors and pilots for insights about like the navigability say that word five times really fast oh my god i don't think i've ever heard that before navigability navigability i mean it's obvious what it means but that sounds cool i don't even want to say it any more times because i know i'm gonna mess it up (laughs) but the navigability of inlets the twists and turns of channels and just details of like winds tides currents etc so kind of boring to be honest like that stuff the information gathering but it's, it's vital oh yeah yeah. It's vital. And they couldn't Google that stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this information would be invaluable for an invasion by sea, as in the case of General Ambrose Burnside, who blockaded the Carolina coast mm-hmm. in the winter of eighteen sixty one through June of eighteen sixty two. Wow. I love the name Ambrose, by the way. I know, isn't that cool? It's a cool name. Ambrose Burnside. That is such a nineteenth century name. It really is. Like imagine meeting someone by the name of Ambrose Burnside now. That'd be so weird. It sounds like the name a type of name that like JK Rowling would have given an American character in Harry Potter. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Definitely. <laughs> I know, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so true now. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Uh well. This was this plan to blockade the Carolina coast was actually part of a larger strategy called the Anaconda Plan that would essentially strangle like the American South of external resources. Oh, hence Anaconda. Exactly. Mm. Because who was allied with the Confederacy? Britain and France. Boo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and to be fair, I don't know too much about the French, but I know with the British the um, the just general populace was very pro-union, but the mm. government was pro-Confederacy. Yeah. Very important point, which we've seen. I feel like that's a theme often in this podcast, too, is like not blaming civilians for the shortcomings of their governments. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't have said it better, honestly. I'm, not, I'm just going to leave it at that. That was perfectly said. Oh, thanks, babe. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I like you. Anyway. <laughs> No, I'm going to leave that in. Anyway, <laughs> so Galloway was very successful in his in his reconnoitering mis- missions. So despite, though, his success and the fact that he was working for the Union Army, mm. he still didn't trust the Army and because he saw racism firsthand. And we'll get to that in, in a moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's bad. But in 1862, Major General Butler was ordered to lead an attack uh, in New Orleans in February of 
1862. Mm -hmm. Um, He brought Galloway along with him as having intelligence gathering for these types of missions was obviously very useful, very helpful. Yeah. Here's the issue, though. Abraham Galloway had never actually been to the Deep South. Oh, I mean, that's that could pose as a problem. Yeah, let alone Louisiana. Yeah, I mean, the culture of North Carolina is very different than the culture of the Deep South, like Alabama or Louisiana. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, he's he's at a huge disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And from New Orleans, the army marched uh, straight to Vicksburg, Mississippi, so they can kind of cut, or they tried to cut the the South in two, more or less, Mm -hmm. like divide it. Yeah. Um, it's a decent strategy, but it didn't work. And one of the tactics that the Union employed was to dig a canal across a bend in the Mississippi River. Mm-hmm. And when the Union, like, it doesn't really matter, like, why they were doing that. The, what matters is that when the Union soldiers began to get sick and die from disease and exhaustion, mm-hmm. they enlisted the black slaves from nearby plantations to do the work instead. Interesting. Yeah. They were promised <laughs> military protection and freedom in exchange for their labor. Okay. Um, however, many of them also died uh, from disease and exhaustion. Freaking knew that was coming. Yeah. It's still very, ex- it's still exploitive. Yeah, it's it's exploitive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but that's not even the bad part. Okay. The ditch was never completed, and the army just left him behind. That's the bad part. Yeah, that's the bad part right there. <laughs> that, I mean, the again, the hypocrisy of that. I know. Of saying that this is the cause we're fighting for. I know for a lot of people was obviously bullshit probably a lot of leadership it was bullshit yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent. so uh, this is really bad because black folks who were caught aiding the union army had basically two options you're either killed or resold into slavery either option sucks mm. and even galloway was captured at this point oh my god but it we don't know how mm-hmm. he escapes and he, he actually capture. He not only escapes, but he frees a few other, uh, like, you know, enslaved folks and, on the way. Yeah. On the way out. Oh my goodness. We don't know how it happens either. There's no record, but we know that they he, lost him. Yeah. They lost him mm-hmm. and he makes his way back to North Carolina. Oh yeah. yeah. And even actually does a final mission for major general, uh, Butler. Oh my God. What a badass. We don't know what that mission is, but we know he did do something. Mm -hmm. Well, it's top secret, babe. He's a spy. Yes. And (laughs) after this though, he kind of does a little career course change. As as one does in their twenties. As one does. Yeah. Absolutely. And so this would be like kind of a larger quest and would lead, eventually lead him face to face with another Abraham. (gasps) We'll get to that though. In a little bit. There's a few famous Abrahams. There's a few. The biblical Abraham? Yes. He oh takes ayahuasca goodness. and then... <laughs> I'm this just kidding, is, guys. Imagine this story taking such a wild turn. Oh my God. Can you imagine if that was true? <laughs> oh, It's not that Abraham. Oh, okay. <laughs> so in a play based on Abraham Galloway's life called The Freedom of Fire by Howard Kraft, Galloway in the play states, mm. a slave will not be free without much killing. There was no story in history or in scripture where enslaved people talked their way out of bondage. That's absolutely true. hundred percent. I mean, they're Look right. all over the world throughout history. That's absolutely correct. And so like that comes from a play, right? But mm-hmm. I feel 
that in reality, Abraham Galloway probably would resonate with that quote. Like that would embody his perspective on yes. the situation. Mm-hmm. And like that would embody his perspective and he's a firebrand at the end of the day. He has just like amazing speeches. He's very charismatic. Um, charismatic. If you're powerful. Yeah, you're powerful. You're watching this on video. You see my hand going like this. That means you're on our Patreon. Yes, exactly. Patron. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little plug there. <laughs> I love it. Shameless plug. I absolutely love it. So known for having an incredible sense of humor, um, a loud laugh, and for openly carrying two pistols, this guy was just like a f- straight up force to be reckoned with. Oh my, what? Like I could picture that character, a big booming laugh walking around with two pistols all the time. He sounds kind of like a cowboy. I know. I, I love the vibe. Yeah. Like honestly, like when I researched this guy more fell in love with his character yeah it's it's so cool how interesting that i hadn't heard of him at all no that's not your fault yeah and we'll get to that okay so this was the type of person who would be perfect to recruit black americans to the union cause which he sort of did when he was a spy but he was just gathering information now he's gathering people Mm -hmm. so he was very successful Within just a few months of his recruiting efforts, 30 regiments of all black soldiers have been raised for the Union Army. 30 regiments? 30 regiments. In fact, it's estimated that during the whole course of the war, around 10% of all Union soldiers were black. Wow. That's incredible to think about. Yeah, so they played a very big part in the Civil War. Huge part in... It doesn't matter that you're on the Union side. It's a, it's a country that doesn't value your humanity and you're still willing to fight. That's incredible. Literally couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> so during the summer of 1863, Galloway spoke for many events. He raised funds and recruited black soldiers and kept his ties to other abolitionists. Mm-hmm. Uh, this work or this, yeah, this type of work would be important for his later career. Mm-hmm. So 1863 was actually a very big year for him. It seemed like every year was a big year for him, to be honest. He's he's doing a lot more than I've done so far. I had a like like a Caesar moment where uh, there's this infamous like story of like Julius Caesar seeing a statue of Alexander the Great, being like, "Wow, like where like he died when he was my age, and I haven't done anything with my life." And I feel after doing this episode, that's exactly how I felt. You're like, wow, what have I done? <laughs> Look at everything. Yeah. Yes. It's just some people. It's interesting that the, I think the play you said was like the freedom of fire, or fire to freedom, something yes. like that. Because some, freedom of fire, freedom of fire, because some people really do have that fire energy in them to create change. And that's just like what they're here to do. Yeah. And this is the case that's so cool i know i think so too i wish that was me but here i am sitting in a living room with you recording a podcast (laughs) still pretty cool babe you're too much of a couch potato i'm oh yeah i'm way too much of a couch potato (laughs) but so am i so yeah if the revolution was happening on the couch oh i'm there i'm there unless i get a little too anxious then i might text and be like sorry i can't come but that's accurate (laughs) I love you for it. Thank you. So in 1863, he actually rescues his mother from slavery. Oh, shut up. And he brought her to the union held portion of North Carolina. Pretty dope, honestly. I didn't even think of that. I had assumed she'd passed. But what an incredible 
thing to do to the person who gave you life is yeah, to give them freedom. Absolutely. And also he got married. Oh my gosh. So he, his bride was a woman by the name of Martha Ann Dixon. And his prestige only grew from this point as he became a very powerful grassroots organizer. He was a coalition builder and a, an incredible orator, as I've said, uh, despite not knowing how to read, by the way. This whole time? Yes. He doesn't know how to read or write? He's never, he was never taught? Right, of course. Why would you teach the people that you're trying to oppress how to read and write? But that's, incre- that's even more incredible to think of all the work he's done yeah. just through language just through talking to people building relationships wow very incredible person Mm -hmm. this episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. it may come as a surprise to you all but my relationship with andrew is one of the most important relationships in my life if you couldn't tell already. And I'd say one of the best things that I did for our relationship, for our marriage, was really work on myself and the things that I could control in the relationship to make it what it is today. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. And I can tell you that is certainly not the case. It takes a lot of work. Sometimes the best relationships happen when both people put in the work to make them great. And therapy can be a great place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with friends, work, your significant other, or honestly, anyone in your life. I personally have benefited from therapy. That is no surprise on this podcast. I talk about it all the time. I've loved working with my therapist for a really long time. And it has been incredible to see how much richer and healthier and happier all of my relationships are because of the coping skills and problem solving that I've learned through therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash HFW today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash H-F-W, like history for weirdos. So no doubt his missions, I think, in the Deep South moved him greatly, Mm. even fundamentally. I mean, he witnessed the lives of enslaved people and in the Deep South, like the worst portion of the the country Mm -hmm. to be a slave. Mm -hmm. And it most likely just gave him this deep desire or even deeper desire, I'd say. He probably already had it to begin with um, to help enslaved people achieve freedom, abolish slavery, and probably gain equal rights under the law. Just Mm. all of that. Mm -hmm. He wanted it. Yeah. And that's what he was going to do. Yeah. That was what he was ready to fight for. Exactly. I, and I, again, I, I can't stress this enough, but I think from my point of view, I, his experiences, I think, really drove that fundamental desire. I'm sure. I'm sure to see such injustice, like there would be no better mission. Right. It's like you 
it's one thing to read about something, but to witness it firsthand is next level. Yeah, Literally. to see human beings suffering at the hands of other human beings. Absolutely. Yeah. So we come to a huge point in his life. April 29th, 1864. Mm-hmm. He is 27 years of age. You know what? I didn't need to hear that. <laughs> I, I was hoping by now he's like in his 30s and no, he's 27. settling down. Oh, okay. He's, he's 27. 27. And he leads a, a group of black Southern delegates. And he just, you know, casually uh, meets President Abraham Lincoln. It's not casual. The, um, Tocayos. Yeah. And they're there to discuss uh, black American citizenship and suffrage and political equality. What? bad asses he's 27 he's talking to the president of the united states and being like listen this is what you gotta do this is what we deserve at 27 i would have peed myself are you kidding me i mean even now even now that's incredible yeah and i mean this is abraham lincoln who is he's the greatest yeah oh i said a word uh earlier when andrew mentioned the abrahams um oh tokayo yeah tokayo or tokaya i don't know if it's um, a word in all Spanish-speaking countries, but at least in Mexico, it means it's like a bond that you have with someone because you share the same name. So it's like a special relationship to have your tocayo or for female, your tocaya. That's so interesting because, yeah, we don't even have that word in English. Yeah. It just doesn't exist. It, it's like, um, I don't know, because I, I, I definitely feel that when I meet another Stephanie, there is like an immediate like, oh, yeah. Like special connection and you're not going to forget that person's name, obviously. And so it's it's a cool relationship. That is. Yeah. I think when I meet another Andrew, I'm like sick. <laughs> that is it. very true. Yeah. Well, you and I were 92 babies, both of us. So we meet a lot of other Andrews and Stephanie's. Not going to lie. Yeah. We did not have the most unique names. No. We'll say that. Yeah, we'll say that. I was always Stephanie S in class. Yeah. A lot of times I was Andrew I. Stephanie A, B, C, D, like, oh my goodness. I know. But you know what was worse, I think, for our year? Mm-hmm. Alex. Oh, yeah. Everyone. Everyone uh, was Alex. My brother's middle name is Alexander. Yeah, he's close. He's close. But Kyle is also very common for his age group. It is. Mm-hmm. That is very true. That's why we will name our son Ashurbanipal. <laughs> <laughs> the last great king of Assyria. Yes. So oh, I'm sorry. The Neo Assyrian Empire, to be more specific. Yeah. Let's clarify there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> this is history for weirdos, after all. <laughs> okay. So where was I? The oh, Abrahams. That's right. Abrahams. They met. They're vibing. I think it's interesting because the election of 1864 is underway at this point, mm. and Lincoln, at this moment, April, was not sure he was actually going to win re-election. The Union Army is only that makes sense, in, in history, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Union Army is only a, a literally exactly a year away from his or from winning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they it would, don't know. Yeah, so like the surrender at the Appomattox Courthouse would take place in April 1865. They don't know that yet. So again, Lincoln isn't sure he's going to win re-election because at this point, uh, there is a slew of like uh, Confederate victories just all in a row, including Cold Harbor, which was. I always remember that battle just because I think it has a weird name. I don't remember that battle. It was a land battle. And it's called Cold Harbor. That's weird. It's not important for the story, but it was important for the Civil War. And it was a Confederate victory. Mm-hmm. But luckily, Abraham Lincoln did win. 
and the union would be restored the following year. Mm. So anyways, well, I mean, that's kind of, that's complicated, but though a civil war ends, it doesn't matter. Yeah, general broad strokes. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So anyways, back to Abraham, our Abraham, who the episode is actually about. (laughs) The same year, Galloway was chosen to be a representative of North Carolina in the National Convention of Colored Citizens of the United States. It's a mouthful. That's amazing. Very well-deserved. Absolutely. Which has been cited as the most important gathering of African-American leaders during the Civil War. I bet. So, huge deal. And one of the consequences of this convention was the foundation of the Equal Rights League, which is the oldest nationwide human rights organization in the U.S. dedicated to the liberation of black people. Literally everything you just said, I had never heard of before. No, I didn't either. Like, that's how... This is absurd. Yeah. Like, and we're like... We we're, like history. We like history, right? Yeah. I think that's a fair assumption that we can all make. <laughs> we like history, and I didn't know about this. Yeah. We, like, this is American history. This is we're American Americans. history. We're American, and I have I've hadn't heard of these groups. I hadn't heard of these... This assembly of black African-Americans gathering to discuss this really important issue of equality that I'm sure... I mean, and it's such a long battle, such a long fight ahead, but I'm sure they were so fired up. Right. They absolutely were. And I had never heard of it. Yeah. So spring of 1865, the Civil War finally ends. Yay. Woohoo. And in the fall of that year, Galloway and his wife, Martha Ann, they moved to Wilmington as free people. Ah, yay. That's amazing. I know. It's not, I, I love that. Like he escaped Wilmington as a slave, he returns mm. a free man, like with his, a, a with hero. His wife. He is a yeah. hero. He returns. He leaves a slave. Returns a hero. Oh. Like I, I, I there should be no a words. movie about this guy. No, there's a play. There should be a movie. There needs to be a movie. Yeah, We're, weirdos. We are always pitching you movie, TV, band ideas, and where are they? <laughs> Stephanie's disappointed, guys. <laughs> Stephanie's really disappointed that someone hasn't done anything. Guys, we have a podcast. You know, we have a, we're busy. We have the podcast. Yeah, we have day jobs. I have. We both have ADHD. Oh, we're not Stephanie. Gonna do you it. own your own business. Yeah. Like, I mean, we need you guys to make the movies yeah. and the TV shows and the rock bands. We need to live vicariously through you guys. Okay, please. Let's do it. So, someone make a movie about Abraham Galloway. Anyways, all right. <laughs> over. Plug over. Okay. I totally lost my place. Oh, yeah, here we go. So although slavery was completely outlawed in the U.S., there was still deep racial prejudices that were ingrained in society, right? I feel like that's, again, a fair statement. I mean, after hundreds of years of race-based slavery, how is there not going to be? Yeah. How is it not going to take far too long to address that? I know. I don't even, it would be so heartbreaking to go back in time and tell them, like, oh, yeah, Civil Rights Act of... 1964 yeah and then you know? there's actually still a ton of work that needs yeah. to be done in in 2024 he doesn't need to know that yeah <laughs> <laughs> in this like imagine scenario where we time travel but so for example it was customary in the south for black folks to step aside for white men if they were to like run into each other in the street right mm-hmm. um yeah. not sure if that courtesy actually applied to white women interestingly but I think so. Probably. Uh, regardless, our boy Abraham, he was just not having it. Uh, he refused to step aside to let white men pass him on the street or allow white customers to make purchases ahead of him in shops. He didn't mess around. 
He didn't mess around. What like, why would actual you? F? I know. I'm standing here. Why do I need to move? No, because a line you... is a line. Also, I'm very, very regimented about lines. That's true. I'm very, like, like, like single cue system. That's true. And, like, if you're there first, you get to go first, you know? Andrew works in operations. I do, so <laughs> unsurprisingly. Efficiency is is a big passion of his outside of history. <laughs> I'm fun at parties, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely my Germanic ancestry coming through. I would think so, the efficiency. <laughs> the efficiency. So, so Abraham's not having it with this racist bullshit, basically, of like, I need to literally move out of the way, make myself smaller. No, he's like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. Again, that's what I love this guy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love this guy. I'm a little biased. I think he's really cool. You picked him for an episode. That's true. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So in regards to his career, he immediately began advocating very strongly for the Republican Party, Mm -hmm. which, again, was the political party of Lincoln. So makes sense. Mm -hmm. In September of 1867, Galloway delivered a speech promising Wilmington the black men that within excuse me within six months they would be able to vote on a state constitution to expand all of their rights Mm, can you imagine hearing that i'm hearing that and it actually coming true yeah so this man making it happen and that's what happened like not only hearing that which is incredible words to hear Mm -hmm. but like today's politicians one out of ten things they say is is going to come true nine out of ten are not so this is pretty lofty in a very compressed timetable. Yeah. But early 1868, he was part of the Constitutional Convention, which provided for universal male suffrage for black Americans. Wow. That's incredible. So this was a huge win, right, in the movement towards racial equality mm-hmm. under the law. Um, again, you can probably imagine that it wasn't fully liked by a lot of people, as, yeah. like especially in, in Wilmington. Oh, yeah. Also, especially given that we know that there would be a terrible massacre a few decades from here. Because just because the laws change doesn't mean that... Like culture, society changes, right? Yeah, people's attitudes and beliefs have changed with it. Mm -hmm. So the February 4th issue of the Wilmington Daily Post published a story in which the black delegates Mm -hmm. were referred to as the N-word. Like in the newspaper. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, in fact, this convention is kind of wild. So there were debates on whether the N-word was actually prejudicial or not. Like, full-on debates mm-hmm. arguing, you know, Can you... people arguing against it being prejudicial, which is interesting because the reporter who wrote the word confirmed that it was indeed. That's when the debate kind of ended. I'm speechless. Yeah. I, I, I knew you would be. It's so... Because it, it's absurd. Like it's it absurd. is absolutely absurd. It's the only way you can describe it. There's no one who actually believed it wasn't. They just wanted to be able to use the word to further dehumanize people that were gaining these like little scraps of rights that they deserved. Right. Isn't that sophistry when you like purposefully lie to gain mm. political power, political prestige, something like that. I it's it's complex, but I think that's the general basis of it. I like don't, that. Don't don't quote me. We're but, quoting you. Oh god. No. Sophistry as defined by Andrew Iverson. <laughs> It'd be the worst definition of all time. It sounds like an Maybe, SAT word. I know it really does. I'm gonna look it up later. Yeah it actually comes from ancient Greece. Of course. Because of course. Of of course course. it does. Everything does. 
<laughs> no, seriously. Or Rome. Mm-hmm. Either one. So, so that, that, there was that. That bullshit debate. Yeah. No rational person is surprised that it's prejudicial. Mm-hmm. There's also another debate over whether black citizens were too easily swayed to be able to vote responsibly. That was also a debate. Like, this was legitimate debate in this convention. I have Again, so sp- many thoughts. <laughs> the, pater- oh, the paternalistic <laughs> view here of, I am white, therefore I know what's best. Because my skin color looks like this. Like, it's, would you, you say it like that? It's absurd. My hands look like milk. So I obviously can vote better than you. <laughs> What? Yeah. Ugh. It's so, so absurd. We don't need to... Obviously, people know it is, but it's just so infuriating to hear. Galloway actually had a really interesting response to this. Ooh, I want to hear. So he responded by stating that although his white father's blood was, quote, the best blood in Brunswick County, Mm -hmm. that if he could, he would, quote, lance myself and let it out. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, I mean, this is, again, this is, this perfectly illustrates him. Like, he's funny. That would be and he's like. Very irreverent for the time. Exactly. To us, that probably sounds pretty tame, but that's. Uh, insanely irreverent. Very yeah. irreverent sounding. But especially because they're functioning under this belief of like certain blood being better. Correct. For him to say, yeah, sure, I may have the best and I, I would like toss it aside. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. And lastly, the papers were dismayed that Galloway had met with the white president of the convention in a restaurant, and they had even shared, get this, a public meal together. Not a restaurant. A public meal. Oh, no. Oh, my God. This was legitimately like, this was news. And this was scandalous news. And this was scandalous. Yeah. And it's stuff like this is why it takes so long to heal race relations and racial identity you know because it's like doesn't it just well like doesn't it infuriate you like these people screwed up so hard and we're like we're the ones that have to like clean up your mess yeah i agree like you're upset that two adults are sharing a meal together to talk about work yeah (laughs) we're moving on yeah so the convention it's a success uh it had but it had to be ratified by a popular vote mm-hmm. in the state, right? So Galloway decided to also run as a state senator that very year. Oh, my God. Uh, this ambition. It's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if he doesn't calm down, I may well, get off the couch. He will calm down in the not a great way. Oh, no. We'll get, don't worry, we'll get to it. Okay. I mean, not by choice. <laughs> so Galloway... Yeah, again, he decided to run for Senate. And as you can imagine, there were a certain group of people that were very against this. The Ku Klux Klan, or the KKK for short. They mobilized to prevent black men and Republicans from entering polling stations. Yeah, they were a very, very powerful group for a very long time. Very powerful. And Galloway, again, was not about this life. He's like, voter suppression? Hell no. He's like, hell no. So he led an informal black militia, which patrolled the streets of Wilmington, armed and confronted suspected Klan members. Yes. Because screw you, that's why. A taste of their own medicine. Yeah, exactly. A taste taste of their own medicine. Literally a taste. That was also probably like their worst nightmare. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> so this act led to a free election, and the result was that the Constitution was ratified. And Galloway would also win his election. Yay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Every year is his year. Every year is his year. <laughs> Every year is his year. Yeah. So Galloway was one of three black senators, one of three, and just 18 black representatives in general in the North Carolina General Assembly of 1868 and 1869. Wow. That's huge. And he was also nominated as a presidential elector and became North Carolina's first black elector wow. so very quick side note like the way national elections work is um the popular vote actually doesn't it matters but it doesn't matter mm -hmm. what actually matters is the electoral vote and it's like every state has a certain number of like electors that are the ones that officially cast like the vote for the president but if like your state you know is like oh we vote for candidate a you're supposed to vote for candidate a like mm -hmm. it's kind of like a winner-take-all system mm -hmm. it's a it's a flawed system yeah it's it was it was well-intentioned in the beginning and it's yeah. it's fundamentally flawed now <laughs> yeah at this the size of our country it, it's not a good I idea mean, right it's yeah. like and that happens right especially with like countries that expand so quickly is like you, the government of 200 years ago is not even 250 years ago, right? The constitution is not even 250 years old. Yeah. And the country now is vastly different than it was whenever it was back then. Obviously we're a very young country, probably in our growing pains phase right now, but um, it does bother me how difficult it is for our government to adapt. Right. To the last like that. amendment to the constitution was 1992. <gasps> That's our year. Our year. <laughs> so, Again, he would also, he'd get the, the elector position. He mm -hmm. would win re-election to the state senate in 1870. And during his tenure, he amended a proposal to desegregate the senate galleries by offering like an optional middle section that could be occupied by anyone regardless of race. Mm. So kind of like very wow. like kumbaya. Very, yes. But like, yeah, not in a condescending way, but in like a good way. Yes. Equity. Exactly. And he was also able to vote to ratify both the 14th and 15th Amendments to the United States Constitution during his tenure. That's badass. Yeah. That's really badass. I don't, you know, it's terrible. I don't remember. They're very important. Like the 13th, 14th, 15th, they're all part of that, like, um, immediately after the Civil War. Yeah. And I don't remember exactly what they do, but it's, like, establishing that, like, slavery's done. And yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, like trying to undo a lot of the um i guess racist narrative in the original in the constitution right of like yeah we should we should really know what these are yeah we really should i know i was <laughs> talking about it talking about it i'm like wait I was a like second. wait a minute i really yeah that's really bad but anyways don't worry we're, I, we're I gonna just, we're gonna google it don't we're gonna worry. google it and <laughs> we know the general idea <laughs> so uh and here is when we unfortunately get to an unexpected turn mm. Galloway would die suddenly and unexpectedly from fever and jaundice on September 1st, 1870 in Wilmington. He was only 33 years old. Fever and jaundice at 33? At 33. Jaundice. I could have been liver disease. That's so young. Do you think... Like, I haven't read anything that, like, suspects poisoning. Oh, I, I'm sure poisoning could cause jaundice. I'm not right? a doctor. This I'm is not, not medical advice. <laughs> But, but I bet it could. Right? It, it's going through your liver. Yeah, mm -hmm. like you could have something that shuts down your liver, gives you jaundice. Oof, that's so young. 
Oh my God. And he did so much. Yeah. He did so much and he died at a young age. Again, just like a little bit older than you and I, the, the parallels is just really coincidental that I did this. And I'm, I'm reading that biography on Alexander. It's the parallels are really kind of like strange. How old was Alexander when he died? He was 32, but a month away from his 33rd birthday. That's really weird. Yeah. That's really weird. Have you seen the theory on, I've only seen it on Instagram <laughs> on like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be good on posts that Alexander, when he died would have first been in, um, like a coma, but he would have been sentient. So, okay. I, I did hear that. I also have heard like rebuttals to that as well. Okay. So that there's a, there's a lot of different options, honestly, that could, that could have happened. Yeah. That would be terrifying. Obviously, with modern medicine, we would know if the person is sentient. But right. back like back then, worst nightmare. Are you kidding me? Everyone thinks I'm dead and I can hear and feel everything. Oh, terrible. Like absolutely terrible. Terrible. Hopefully that's not what it was. Yeah. It's actually interesting. There on his last words were like to the strongest. Um, mm, yeah. And there's debate. There's debate of like, that's is that what he said? Because like it, it sounds very similar in Greek to like, uh, one of his generals names Craterus. Mm-hmm. So it's like, does he was mean he saying to him, to him or to the strongest? And what is, if he said to the strongest, what does that mean? Yeah. Or is he just kind of like F it? Like, screw you guys. I'm out. Fight amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Which is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, back to Galloway. <laughs> he dies at 33 years of age. Mm. He's only, or yeah. 6,000 people show up to his funeral. Oh my God. 6,000. That's the level of impact that he had in only such a short amount of time to do the work that he was here to do. Absolutely. Hmm. And interestingly, uh, he seemed to have given away lots, most of his money through philanthropy. And according to Frederick Douglass's newspaper, Galloway died actually a very poor man. What? That's wild. Yeah. Wow. What an what an incredibly unique person you would usually those like big characters those very charming persuasive people you do think of them like if you think of that archetype as someone who would have a lot of possessions or have kind of like some flashy possessions right you know to kind of mirror their personality you don't think of them as being almost monk-like with their finances yeah isn't that strange yeah that's really interesting and again Similar to Alexander, like very generous, like mm. a, like almost to the point of, of like insanity. Perhaps a reincarnation. Interesting theory. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, anyway, like unless you're the hist like the history buff of history buffs, uh-huh. unless you're that, you probably didn't know Abraham Galloway's story. Like, yeah, it, this is a deep cut. This is a deep cut, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is insane to me because when he and Frederick Douglass were touring like the Northern States, mm-hmm. uh, during like doing speaking tours, he didn't introduce Frederick Douglass as the main speaker. Frederick Douglass introduced him. Oh my gosh. And Frederick Douglass is the one we learn about in school. I mean, yeah. Like Frederick Douglass is, is hugely popular. And his influence on Abraham Lincoln and his speeches are very well known as well. Exactly. That's incredible. So he would have been the bigger name. Well, yeah, at the time. Wow. Galloway, he was a war hero, right? 
he was a nationally known speaker. He was one of the first like black folks elected to serve in the North Carolina General Assembly. It was a big deal. He was a huge deal. But if you check North Carolina history books, museums and classrooms from like the 1900s and even the early 2000s, you're going to see nada. Hardly anything. That's so sad. And historian uh, Dr. David Seleski, he describes that, quote, what happened, and it's a central part of North Carolina history, mm-hmm. is that beginning in the 1890s, early part of the 1900s, we get a new vision of what our past was like. Docile black people, happy slaves, and the vision of our history. There's no room for a man like Abraham Galloway. He was a proud black insurgent, brilliant, who fought like one of the great guerrilla leaders of world history for the freedom of his people, end quote. Ah, I got chills. Because why would you play by the rules of your oppressor? Exactly. Why? I mean, just from a, like, Ugh, just from like a, a, like a pure strategy perspective, like yes. you don't want to fight the On way your terms. enemy wants to fight. Yeah. yeah. Your enemy has set it up for you to fail if you fight in this way. Why would you do that? Exactly. Oh, what a cool man. And not surprising that that was hidden. Right. And that I think to me leads to like why we don't know this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and it's because of this erasure of history, we lost Galloway's story for the longest time. Mm-hmm. And like when folks, including myself, you know, learn about Galloway, he seems like some crazy fan fiction. He sounds like fan fiction. It yeah. doesn't sound real, but mm-hmm. it is. This has actually happened. This is real. From spy to like senator, like yeah, that's crazy. I mean, honestly, I think Galloway is probably like the quintessential weirdo. Yeah, like in the best possible way because like a he's not talked about nearly as often as he should be. Mm-hmm. B he was a spy, he was an orator, he was a leader who led with like conviction and helped end slave like slavery and give suffrage to a severely disenfranchised community. Mm-hmm. Right. And see, he didn't take shit from anyone. Yes. <laughs> in his time, he was very unique. Exactly. The, you know, definitely moved to the beat of his own drum. It sounded like, yes, he was just so fiery. Right. And I feel like, um, it, it you just don't get people like that very often. The fact that he was a, a free black man walking around with two pistols at all time would have enraged and scandalized the white community. Like, yeah. and I'm sure other black people were probably like, what are you doing, dude? Like bro, chill. Yeah. And but he's, he's like, like nah. no, this is, this is the freedom that I fought for. Absolutely. Wow. So in fact, here's a quote uh, from him, which I'll end the narrative on mm-hmm. quote. There is a bright future before us. The day of rejoicing is at hand. Let us stand united. Let there be no divisions. Let us shout that we are a people and that our freedom is not a bar to our advancement. Let the work go on and be hopeful for the great Jehovah still hears the prayers of the downtrodden, end quote. That's so beautiful. Yeah, I mean, incredible speaker. That's so inspirational and so unifying. So enslavement to freedom fighter, to senator. That, dear weirdos, is the story of Abraham Galloway. Yay! Oh my gosh, what a great way to kick off Black History Month. I know, right? He is a badass. He's, the again, the ultimate weirdo. Yeah, I could see particularly why you would like him. You love um, these enigmatic, rebellious figures. 
Exactly. Yeah. That's that's very helped. true. Yeah. I really do. And great leaders. You love great leaders. Yeah, I love studying like great leaders mm-hmm. and like what they do. So my sources for this episode, uh, there was an incredible book by that historian that I mentioned, yeah. uh, David Selesky, called The Fire of Freedom, Abraham Galloway and the Slave Civil War. Highly recommended. It was a great source. Oh, cool. It's basically like most of this episode is from that book. Oh, cool. There's also ncpedia.org. There was blackhistory.org, historicsites.nc.gov, NPR, and of course oh. Wikipedia. NPR. Sorry. That's always what I think of when I hear <laughs> NPR is that tone. That was incredible. Thank you. I loved this episode. This felt like I was on the edge of my seat and angry and happy and sad. It was really cool. I love it. I, I was listening to it like a movie. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you did a great job. I mean, thank you. I appreciate that. But his life was just incredible. He makes me want to be more adventurous. Maybe get off the couch. Maybe get off the couch. Maybe, you know, instead of (laughs) my usual right on my walks, I do it. Take a left. I'm a rebel. I like it. (laughs) You like it. I like where your head's at. And weirdos, if you're still listening at this point, I'm going to give you guys a little spoiler for next week. Mm, Spoiler. Stephanie will be covering the the real or the historical account of the Queen of Sheba in next week's episode. Mm-hmm. Buckle up, weirdos. Buckle up. It's a very mysterious story. I will say that. There's a lot of mystery. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Also, I noticed like your favorite time uh, is like the 19th century. Like yes. that's your Roman Empire or For the sure. Tudors. Kind of like both. Yes, both. I'd say both. Mm-hmm. And my Roman Empire is like partly the Roman empire, but it's just ancient history in general. So we kind of did a little switch. Like you're, I told you about your time period. Now you're going to tell me about mine. Yay. No pressure at all. No pressure at all. Well, I think you did an incredible job as you did as well or will do. Oh, thank you. I'll take that vote of confidence. I'm so glad that we got to learn about Abraham Galloway today. Mm-hmm. And thank you weirdos for listening, for being a part of this community. You know what to do to support Please rate, review, subscribe. It helps the podcast continue to grow. We have grown pretty much organically because of you all. So continue to support us. It means a lot. We really appreciate you. And again, keep your eyes and ears open here on the podcast and on our socials at History for Weirdos to learn more about our Patreon and all of the extra content that you'll get there. Yes, you'll be able to get a large amount of content that you won't be able to get anywhere else. We're really, really excited. We've been working really hard on it. And it's also really exciting because it's another way to connect with you all. It's really hard on Instagram. It's not really a platform kind of set up for community, I think. That's correct. And it's hard to get through DMs. This Patreon is going to feel a lot more intimate. And it's going to be so much easier for all of us to communicate with each other. Exactly. And you guys will be able to, like the weirdos, you guys will be able to talk amongst each other as well. Yeah. So that's going to be really cool. So you could do like little weirdo meetups. Like if you (laughs) have friends in the same city, um, travel together, fun stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. That's really fun. That's what we hope. Okay, weirdos. That's it. That's all we got. Until next time. Until next time, weirdos. Adios.
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit